when I started creating, I looked at other creators and I was very jealous and I was very intimidated because I looked and I was like, I would never be where they are. You know, how, how do I get there? They're superstars. They're, their lives are so perfect. And the past year and a half taught me that that's not true, that we all have our journeys. We are all human. And that's why I decided to do Let's Talk Creators because I wanted to pay it forward and have a conversation with creators so they can tell us about their struggles and about their journey so other creators won't feel so alone. I hope uh, we have listeners that are now feeling a little bit less stressed <laughs> in an hour. Um, so yeah, Samantha, you're one of my favorite creators uh, and I'm so glad that you're here. I'm very excited to have you. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Barm. I'm really excited. I, I love the things that you share in the Twitter spaces we speak in and the things you share online. And you always make me feel like a million bucks. So <laughs> I'm happy I'm over here. <laughs> That's my point. I mean, I love doing that. I love being there and just telling you, go Samantha, you're awesome. <laughs> and also being able to call me Samantha and send to him. I don't know why. He's a good a thing for me. I understand. I've always been called Sam and, and I try to like, yeah. like, no, it's Samantha and everyone wants to call me Sam. So I'm like, eh, I better just go and then, but I get a barb. Oh, what? Yeah. I am a Starbucks barb and B-A-R. My name is Bar. And then it's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, and then they call me like Barb and I'm like, come on. So tell me how it's been, how it's been this week. This week has actually been pretty good. And I think that, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I'm sorry to notice like now at my age, I'm 39 that, oh, my energy goes up and down during the month. Like, duh, I should have known um, I'm a woman, but I'm really realizing it with being a creator and creating content online that sometimes I have a lot of energy and I could go, go, go. And then I'll get into these like, sometimes for a day or two, where I just, I don't feel my best. I feel low energy. Sometimes it lasts a week or I just feel like, you know, I'll have those days where I'm like, oh, why am I doing this? It's so much work. I'm clearly into the void. What difference does this make? Why would I even start? I should just stop now. But it usually fades. So now I know like to not take that voice too seriously to just be like, all right, it's just one of those days. But this week has been good. But, you know, I, I do have like, I've been noticing that cycle. That's amazing. And I'm, I'm glad to hear you are aware of that. I'm actually starting to like, accept my process a little bit better now. I had a terrible week. It was like really, really bad, like crying bad and, you know, calling my therapist and, and my mom and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm worthless, I'm failure and stuff like that. And then this morning I woke up and I was like, hey, I'm okay. <laughs> like, that's gone. <laughs> That was great, Bar. Three days of, of crying and now you're fine. So like, you know, it's always funny to be after and like suddenly you're aware of the fact that it's part of your process, you know, because for me, I can, I can share that I've been struggling with depression my whole life. So for me, those ups and downs, it's like, you know, just who I am, but sometimes it can be a real fucker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I think you, also the, um, when we start to notice those, those patterns and that accepting that when you're going through the feelings of, you know, to feel the feelings, some people are, are good at feeling their feelings. I am not good at feeling my feelings. And so mm -hmm. I, I did have a really good therapist when I got divorced and she helped me a lot to, you know, you know, make sure you're, you're as sad as you need to be and as angry as you need to be. And it was really hard to work through that, but it helped me at that point to get through that breakup and, and my heartbreak. And then I had a burnout at work a few years ago. And then I was, I, I couldn't, I, I tried a psychologist. I tried a counselor from work. I tried a few people and nobody was really helping me at that point because, you know, they want to do the normal thing of like, ask about my childhood or whatever. And I would tell them and I was like, well, it's, it's I mean, my parents aren't perfect. No parents are perfect, but it wasn't awful. <laughs> And so that's not the reason why I had the burnout. And how did I get through a divorce? And now I can't deal with a micromanaging boss. Like what's going on? So I was recommended um, a kind of a spiritual teacher, coach lady that she just takes on clients that as they come to her through word of mouth. And I, so I went to see her. And then as soon as I walked in, see her, I just 
started crying and I do not cry far, but I just like let it all out. And she sat with me and she shared with me some things and, and helped me to really discover about me that I'm such a, a perfectionist and a goal setter that when I couldn't meet the goals that were way too demanding and were expectations that I even was telling my bosses and their bosses and the next level up and the next level up that, hey, I, I can't take on more work. And they kept giving it to me anyway. And I was like, all right, well, I'll just do this. Um, it really devastated me. And, and through that process of working with her, I also learned how to feel my feelings about everything, not just when I go through something devastating, but anytime I have a feeling to identify it. Because before I, I would go see her, I'd say, she'd say, oh, Samantha, how are you? I'm like, I'm good. She's like, it's not a feeling. I was like, you know, okay. Or I'd say, I'm fine or whatever. And so like, I would just, she would just make me like really, work hard at she's like listen you're gonna know like two emotions upset and fine and that's it and like but what is it specifically that you're feeling so it's taken me I think I've seen her off and on for three years now so finally now I'm I'm pretty good at finding my emotions but it's such an important part if you're not naturally drawn to or able to identify your feelings and I had a childhood where my parents are pretty unemotional and so when I was emotional I was, you know, not allowed to be emotional. And then because they weren't allowed to be emotional when they were kids, because their parents weren't allowed to be emotional when they were kids. Yeah. And so I, cool. I was continuing. Yeah. The, the pattern. And I was getting mad at my kids when they would be upset. And even when they were toddlers, it would just trigger me so much. So I've really like come a long way with being able to just cry on the days that I need to cry. That's amazing. I really want to hear that. And also like being aware that you're part of a cycle and you, can choose you know you can choose to end it or at least you can choose to try you know mm -hmm. if even if it doesn't happen in your generation your daughters one day will look at their kids and be like I remember my mom really trying hard you know when when I was emotional she didn't know how to react so now I know to try hard and it goes a very long way I'm I'm a I'm a daughter to very emotional parents <laughs> <It's> oh <laughs> Like in a good way, I'm, I'm a daughter of artists. So everything is like, you know, when you need to help, then you should ask for it. And it's okay mm. to be okay. And like, you know, it's okay to be depressed because we have it in the family and it's not a shame. Like there's no shame in that. Um, and I can tell you that it's still, it's still hard. Even, even with emotional parents, it's still hard to deal with emotions. It's just the way we are as people. I wonder how it connects to to why and how you started to create. I mean, going from full-time job and, and all of that into putting time for yourself and putting yourself out there, which is for a non-emotional person, it's very scary, you know? Yeah, I, about four or five years ago is, is when I had my burnout at work. And then during my time off, um, when I was on the stress leave, I really reflected and realized that even though the job I had gotten as being an event coordinator for the House of Commons was my dream job, and my dream had shifted and it was no longer my dream. And so it was a huge step, but you know, I, I quit my job and um, decided to like go do my own thing and figure things out. I started learning marketing and working with my husband, but I always wanted to, to talk and share my journey and, and to help other people that are going through things like me, like quitting your job when it's hard and you have a great job, but how do you decide to give it up and, and try something else when you're giving up your pension and all these years invested and having a parking space downtown and all that stuff? That's fancy. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's important. It's like this. It is. It I'm not, I'm not judging you. Parking space is important. <laughs> and um, I just had all these half-written blog posts and book ideas and outlines and ideas for podcasts or YouTube. And I, I started them and I started the ideas. And every time I would go to, to post something or share on Instagram, because that's where I'm spending a lot of time then, you know, as a mom with kids, like put pictures of your kids and that's where everyone else hangs out. I was just so intimidated to share anything. And then I thought, well, all the, my friends, and all my family, like they know me as like somebody with a, with a normal job. And yeah, I quit my job. But if I start just sharing this kind of inspirational type stuff, what are they going to think? And it's going to sound stupid. And, and why should I do it? So I just 
didn't for four years after I quit my job. Like I did this big leap and I did do, you know, freelancing on the side and work with my husband in, in marketing, but I didn't do this stuff that I wanted to, which was to share, share my ideas and my thoughts. So finally, after the pandemic um, or during it, the pandemic in the winter, I decided that it was time to, to start doing something because it wasn't becoming clear what I really wanted. I wasn't getting over my fears just by waiting for them to go away and, and figure out my niche. I thought like, okay, once I know my niche, then that's what I'll write about. And that's mm. what I'll do once it's super clear, because I know it's really important to have a niche and I know I kind of want to share stuff that's, it helps people, but it wasn't super clear. And so I just didn't. And I thought that one day it would just come to me, but it didn't far. So um, <laughs> in March, I started writing stuff by doing Ship 30 for 30 and, and, and putting out essays. And by joining a group and having accountability, I was able to, to do the work and, and, and push through and make sure I, I finished an essay and published it every day. And since I knew that it wasn't forever, it kind of helped because it was 30 days and that was going to be done, but at least I would try and I would get in the habit of it. And then since then, I've kind of, my creator journey, which, you know, it's only like been seven months, has been. It's a long time. It's almost a year. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it is. It's over the half. It's almost yeah. a year. You're right. <laughs> it's like the day after your birthday when you're like, oh yeah, I'm already. <laughs> it's the day after. That's it. You passed it. Yeah. I just take everything like an experiment now. And I, and I don't feel like, like, let's say, you know, you're, you're starting this podcast and you've had a couple of guests and it feels so intimidating to start something. It's like, oh, going to have to do this forever. You don't really have to. You could say, I'm going to try and do this for 10 times, or I'm going to write on Twitter for a month and see what happens. And I think that having a, a set time where you have to do something, like just to push through the resistance a little bit, but know that there's an ending. So then at the end, you can say, I loved it. I hated it. I kind of liked it, but here's what I want to do now. Like it, it gives you the, the push to get through something and then you can see what you want to do going forward. So for me, um, that's what's really helped. And also the, the past four years of like, you know, seeing this spiritual coach and doing really deep inner work to heal a lot of my, my inner wounds, I'm much more able to be in touch with my emotions now. And so it helps with my writing too to be open and vulnerable where I would, I would try to be vulnerable, but I did not know how before. And so I probably, if I would have started sooner, it would be way worse than now. So I guess it all just works out at the right time. Well, your first staff out is always, um, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. And you go back and you're like, oh, oh no, I wrote this. <sighs> yep. <laughs> we talked about it today. Um, uh, when I was recording the other session and like, you talked about how it feels like to go back and look at things that you've done as a creator and like, let's say a year ago or five years ago, whatever, as long as you are out there and you know that you grew by looking at what you've done and knowing now how you could have done it better, how you would do it better now. Because mm -hmm. I, I don't believe regret is part of the process. I think that you look at something and you're like, oh, next time that I do this. I'm going to pinpoint those, those thoughts, or I'm going to, you know, say this line or whatever to, to make this better. And I think that's, that's a, that's also a huge part of the process. And like, you know, kudos to you for being there for seven months. That's, that's amazing. I don't know if you know that, but most creators actually quit in their first year and oh, wow. you're kicking butt, you know, like I, I just see more and more, honestly. Um, I have another creator friend who also. Uh, started a year ago, exactly a year ago, and I met her back then. Like met her, Instagram met her. Um, but today she's huge, and like I, when I met her, she was like, "Oh, I don't, I don't really know. How, like I'm not a creator. I'm just like baking, and you know, it's just for fun." And today she has brand deals, and she has a lot of followers, and she has like she's like super famous in our baker group. And, and it's incredible, you know, and it's, it's so inspiring for me to look at people like her and like you and be like, okay, like it's, it's a process, you know, we all start somewhere. We all start, you know, with something that we just send out into the void and 
you know, the first step is is the hardest. I can I can tell you for real that the main reason I'm here today is you because I was really really scared of creating this podcast, and the first thought was like, what if nobody listens to it? And then the second thought was, what if people listen to it and then judge me? Mm-hmm. And then I think you told me you, you were talking about it the other day, and and you were like, well, you know, but doesn't matter. You just do the first move. You know, you just have to do the first move and then you figure it out. And if you don't like it, that's okay too. You know, and I think, I think that's really important to remember as well, that if you don't like it, it's okay too. I think so. I, I find that that's like the thing, like, you know, all the gurus or people that have millions of followers, they don't say that. They say, no, you have to find your perfect niche and you have to do all these things and make sure you do all this. Yeah, yeah exactly. Put a goal. And that's your goal. And that's going. And it's great to have a goal. But sometimes you have to like also understand, wait, is my goal from two years ago the same as today? And if it's it's absolutely fine. You're not the same person as you were two years ago. Yeah. I think that's like uh what I dealt with with quitting my job was that guilt of like it's kind of the same thing here where I it was my dream. It's not like it wasn't my dream, it was my dream, but now my dream has changed. So that part was was not too hard but then thinking oh who am I to give up this job who am I to to walk away from this you know I started when I was I think 22 or 23 full-time so I could retire at 55 I have what so many people want and here I am being like nope I don't want this wonderful package deal that I happen to walk into so that really weighed heavily on me of I I shouldn't or I couldn't or I didn't deserve it and it was really hard to make that decision because of that. And also accepting, too, that, you know, my dream had changed. And, and that was hard as well to think, like, but I really wanted this and I got it. And so and I, I feel like I, I put a lot of positive energy towards it to, to make sure I manifested it and got like, no, I'm going to get this job, even though I think I'm not. And I worked so hard on it for months, thinking that the job was going to cop at some point. And even though I was hearing rumors like, oh, they're going to get rid of the job or it's going to be this or that. And. And so I'd walk to work and I was like, no, it's not going to happen. I'm going to get this job. It doesn't matter what anyone said. And then it, then I got it. And so I made that happen in, in some way through what I've done. Yeah. So it was, it was really hard to accept that and let something go that was something that I wanted. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand. And honestly, like, I think that's, that's a big part of like, you have a dream and it's great. I, I always ask people and I will ask you in the end, but people always have dreams and, and, you know, their biggest fantasy in life. And what happens when you get there is something that we're not really confronted with in the fantasy world. And, and I think that when it happens in real life, and it can be, it can be devastating. It can be very confusing. Suddenly you have this empty feeling of like, who am I now without this fantasy me? Mm, yeah. This future me that I want to be. Who am I? Where am I growing into? And that's that's a huge crisis in my opinion. I, I moved to Canada in the first place to be a filmmaker. Oh. That was my dream. That was like I wanted to move and become a huge filmmaker and make movies and direct and, you know, do all of those things and produce and then Four years later, I'm sitting here in a closet uh, making a podcast <laughs> creators. And like, I felt very guilty, you know, it was my dream and I was living it. And, and it was like, wait, what does it mean about me? What does it say about me? Am I giving up something that I, like, I'm, I am giving up something that I fought a lot to there. And, and it's a, it's a huge process, especially when you're, when you're a creative person and all you have in you is this deep passion to a lot of things, like no matter what it is that you want to do, you have this, you know, this fire, like you have to do it. You have to do it. And it's so scary because you have to deal with it and you're so afraid of failing and it's, it's very real. So I think that's, that's very, very heavy stuff. <laughs> but it's true and I think that you know so many people 
don't pursue their dream because they're afraid of it. And, and I wrote this tweet the other day because it was, it was really true for me, which is I'm afraid I'll succeed, but I'm also afraid that I'm going to fail. I'm not just one or the other. I remember somebody saying, oh, people always ask if I'm afraid of failure. I'm not. I'm really afraid of success, but I'm actually afraid of both. I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of what people will think. I'm afraid of what I'll think or my kids will think, but I'm also afraid of success. Is it what I really want? What if I invest so much time and then I'm like, oh, that's not what I want. And, or what if it's too much? What if I can't handle it? What if I'm overwhelmed? Or what if, what if I'm stupid? And what if like I say things and now I'm arrogant and I, I've taken on this persona of somebody who thinks they know everything and I become, I, I lose my humility and my friendliness with people because I think I'm so much better. Like there's all these things and it's, it's real. It's all real. And, and so many people just go through life by, you know, going through the motions. I know that people say that, but it's, it's true. I see that all the time that they're not really vulnerable and open with their own selves about what they want and also what they don't want and how they want to get there and what do they truly value. And, and there's so many things that if we would take some time to just reflect and figure out what it is that we want, what's stopping us, what are we afraid of? And it's okay to feel any of those things, but it's also so important to reflect and see what are those things in the first place. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think that it leads us right um, where, where I wanted to go next, which is you talking about imposter syndrome. Uh, this is like your main, right? Your main uh, area of expertise and like conversation. And which, first of all, I really appreciate because not a lot of people, well, I hear a lot of people talking about it today. It's more of like, yeah, imposter syndrome. Let's talk about that. But, but it, a lot of the times it feels like it's not coming from personal experience, more like it's coming from the fact that it's very popular to talk about it. And whenever I, I, I listen to you uh, or read you, on Twitter, I, I feel like whatever it is that you're saying, whatever it is that you're tweeting or you wrote, um, it comes from, from deep inside of you a place that you actually went through, you know, more than anything else. So I wonder how and why did you choose to focus on that and how does that affect your accessibility with your readers? Yeah. So it's kind of a, a weird story. You may have heard me say it in space, but you know, I'll share it anyway. <laughs> Do it. Um, so I, I'm a, a very spiritual person and, um, I grew up like really super involved with my church and went there all the time. And just a few years ago, decided to, to expand my thinking a little bit and, and to be more open with, with a broader idea of, of who God is and, and energy and love and all that sort of stuff, but still keeping some of my roots, but then also just a bigger idea of more like the universe. So someone asked me to do a book writing challenge in August. Um, so early August, and we had a couple of days to come up with our, our, what our book was going to be about and do a bit of research. And then we're going to start the challenge together and do this 30 day, write a book in 30 days. So basically a quick <laughs> ebook so that we could put something up for sale. But in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm going to do more than ebook. Of course, I'll, I'll publish a book. And, but this is a good challenge to get started. I always want to do a book, may as well try. It's only 30 days. Let's see what happens. Um, and I had a few ideas, even in the past few months, I had some ideas for these books of, of a bit broader or, or bigger topics. And I wrote some outlines and ideas from the past. So in the days leading up to the challenge, I would be doing the dishes or washing my face or getting up in the morning, going to bed and trying to tap into what is it that I really want to talk about? What's my book about? So I would be doing my thing and, you know, just thinking, being like, hey, what's my book about? And I would like hear right away imposter syndrome. And I was like, no, that's not my book. Like, okay. Um, and then I was like, no, there's these other ideas. And I would think about these three or four other ideas. And I was trying to like, okay, but they didn't feel right. And I like to tap into the feeling to be like, okay, this is the thing that feels right. So then later when I was doing something else saying, oh yeah, what's my book about? I hear right away, imposter syndrome. And I was like, no, that's not my book. It's like, what's I'm not really a visual person and I'm just imagining like, like words and imposter syndrome start being like, yeah, go away, not. It was so much like that. It's so weird, Barb, but I would like literally hear it, but not like 
imposter syndrome as like, oh, I have imposter syndrome. I'm afraid. There was no fear. It was just, I kept hearing these words, which is weird to say, but I think this is a book. So after a couple of times of this happening, I decided like, all right, I think this is a sign. Let me just go and see if, can I even write a book about imposter syndrome? And what is, what is this book going to be about? And I'll, I'll just try it because it seems like this idea wants to be born. And I don't know if you ever read Big Magic by Liz Gilpert, but there's this, this part in it. And a, and a big part of how she explains how her writing process and some other writers that she knows is that in her world, ideas are alive and ideas, you know, come to us. And if we don't do it or whatever, then the idea is like, all right, and moves on to someone else. Kind of like if you think of a really good business and you don't do it and somebody else does, you're like, oh, I knew that was cool. I truly believe that ideas and things that happen to us, they are active in the space, right? I, I'm not sure how to call it if it's spiritual <laughs> or anything like that, but I do believe that, you know, when things come to us, they are active. They're actively coming to us. They're actively asking us to, to, to receive attention. And when you don't do that, then, then yes, they either haunt you or they move on and mm. both are, you know, not the best results that you want. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting so hearing someone else saying that too. I, I, I totally agree with you. Like I, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm very visual mm -hmm. or whenever I close my eyes, I actually see. Wow. Like if I write or if I write a, a script, which I have a bunch of times and I'm you know, thinking about the characters, or I even I'm, I'm reading a book. If I close my eyes, I actually see it. Like I'm there. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, like just like hearing the voices. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I can land where I want in my imagination. Yeah. Well, I'm like, I'm a musician. And so I think that's why I was, I was drawn to music as my media. Like I would, I painted and drew and I was, I was pretty good, but I didn't love it. Like I could do it. And they were good, even though I just did a few, but it just, it wasn't my passion, but I loved music and I loved playing music and, and practicing and getting better. And especially the feeling of creating music with a group, like, you know, when you're in a band and you play together, it's a fantastic feeling, but I think that's why I have the auditory thing more than the visual. <laughs> no, definitely. It's magic. So how did you, did you end up writing the book in 30 days? Well, I got to about... 11,000 words. And then in the last five days of the challenge, I, I got really busy with like a new business that I'm starting with my husband. And so I had to do a lot of copywriting and, and we really needed it to be done quickly. So I was thinking like, I'm a failure if I don't do it. I have these last five days and I've been so good. I, I miss days here and there because the challenge was set up that if you miss a day of writing, you just say, hey guys, I missed a day of writing and you just move on. Like it, it was no pressure. Yeah. So. At the last five days, I realized that I needed to put all my time and energy and I was super drained doing this other like copywriting to sell stuff. So I, I said to myself, like, you know what? I don't have to actually do it. I could just pause and say, you know what? I have five days because my objective was to do that. Just move the five days till once this big project is done. There's no rules. Like, yeah, I said there was 30 day challenge. And like, who's, is someone going to come here and be like, <laughs> you need to do the book you cannot publish a book because you did not do it in 30 days now yeah so i that's what happened so i did about eleven thousand words and now i'm up to about thirteen thousand. i've joined a small group of writers online that um that have some meetups so that on mondays i don't go to one of the zoom calls and sit down and focus so i've done some of the the structure because I don't want the book to be super long. Like right now it's about 13,000 words, which it'll probably be a little bit longer and I'll tighten it up and stuff. But I want it to be simple, actionable, easy to read. Not like a giant book that like you only get a few pages in. You're like, wow, this is so good. But because it's so long and intimidating, you don't read it. You know, I'm like, I don't know. That's the way I am. Remind me later to send you a link to Pencil. I don't know if I told you about them before and oh i it sounds familiar i think maybe she did or maybe it was someone else but yeah so pencil is a platform for writers that uh, when you publish you can publish through them first of all make the money without the the you know everything else and mm -hmm. and then most importantly you can both uh get the data of your readers of like how, what oh. they stop 
why did they stop? And you can also get feedback from them and change your, change your book as you go. So I'll, I'll send it to you and also I'll post it uh, with our um, podcast. So if other, I'm sure other writers are going to listen because you're here, but, <laughs> but, um, but then they can uh, use the resources as well. Oh, wow. That's amazing. You can make it so many connections and doing so much cool stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's the goal, right? I think that readers should have so much more, you know, we should, we are working really hard and, you know, putting yourself out there every day. It's, it's not easy. Actually, I wanted to ask you how your girls see it. How, how old are they? How do they see their mom, you know, just being out there talking to so many strangers all day? Well, I have that the girls are, um, I have a 14 year old and, and another one's going to be 13 next month. Ooh. And, uh, so they're in grade eight and nine. That's tough. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it is tough, but it was like a little bit tougher a year or two ago when like the hormones were just starting. And so that part was like rough to get through, but I think we've got a pretty good cadence right now. So like, you know, they're, they're starting to mature a little bit, but that, that transition from kid to young woman, like that's a, that's a big jump. And like teenage years with girls, like they're going to be emotional. They're going to be cranky sometimes, but like we at least have a pretty good, uh, communication so that they tell me when they're upset and, and they listen and what's going on, which is hard to work on, but I've been working hard on this, like since they were little to have like good communication and, and have good respect on both sides that I respect them. And, but they also respect me as their parent, which I find that a lot of people I know, they go like one way or the other, that like they're a parent that has no boundaries or a parent that's so strict that they're not approachable. So, yep, you know, being a parent is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> I'll take that into account. <laughs> but both my daughters have, um, to give you a bit of context of, of them as, as individuals, they're both super into social justice and have been since they were very young. They love politics. They were... I don't even know how old they were uh, in, with the 2016 American election. Even though they watched Canadian elections, they were watching the American election then, discussing with their friends at school about the implications of having um, Donald Trump as a president, what that would mean for Canadians. That well, they thought we'd be bombed, but <laughs> but you know, makes sense. They, they just they always cared about things like that. <laughs> yeah, our our conversations at dinner are often about about social justice, about the differences between types of political views about capitalism versus socialism about taxation and the and millionaires benefits and incentivizing and anyway they're they're weird kids that's so, amazing they are growing like the next generation of <laughs> there's a lot of leaders that care about this it's yeah. incredible the 14 year old she's always been a big reader she's super academic and she has been reading novels since grade one and got into like really big novels by the time she was in grade two or three because she went through all the kids books and she was reading these big fantasy novels and she's huge into fantasy fiction she's been writing fanfic online for a long time and has has followings on these different apps it doesn't make money or anything from it but just loves writing so she has ideas for different books and so with what i've learned about the creator economy and, and also online marketing i've been encouraging her to take those ideas and and just put something out and just it could be a short book or whatever we could put it on just on kindle for 99 cents and just see what happens and so she can start to to do what she loves and then try to build a following or whatever and if she hates it she doesn't have to do it but just she could try um so that's her journey and and she doesn't ask me too much about me talking online i you know i tell her about the things i do but she's like okay mom uh, but <laughs> The other one that's almost 13, she's super entrepreneurial. And so she's always been super strong-willed and, and, and stuff. So I've known since she was young that she was the artist and, and very independent. So she, she talks a lot about money. She likes to know about money. How do you make money? What do you got to do? When can I get a job? What kind of job can I get? How much money can I make? You know, should I start a business? How do I start a business? So she has, she has ideas for businesses that, I kind of just, you know, say, well, why don't you make a list of what kind of thing would you like? And so she was thinking to do a, a cosmetic line. So we explained to her that you can white label stuff and how you do that. And so she, 
she was thinking about that for a while, but wasn't getting too much traction, although she has a notebook with all these things. And she decided after that, well, she needs an audience. So she's, she asked if she can make her Instagram public and um, has been trying to build her audience there. So she does posts every day. She finds the hashtags. Um, she hasn't niched too much, but I've talked to her about a few things she can niche in. Now she started doing reels because she wasn't reaching that many people. So I said, you could do reels and she keeps doing it every day and, and enjoying it. And she's, she's so excited when, well, we're going to add the words. She was talking like that. That's amazing. We're going to add her, um, Instagram here. So when we post, uh, the podcast, so people can actually go and help her and uh, support her. I would love doing that. Um, it's actually really reminds me of my niece. She's, uh, she's going to be 11. No, she's going to be 12. But since she's, uh, since she was 10, she just started her own small businesses. Wow. In a week. I was never that dedicated as a kid. I, I, I honestly, I like, you know, a year and a half, I started my first business and I'm like, I'm almost 30. And she's 10 and <laughs> selling slime to her friends. And now she has this, um, she orders online, like bigger amounts of, of all, you know, knickknacks and stuff like that. And creates, um, gift bags and she sells a friend and they have an Instagram and they have a YouTube channel and they have like a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, how? <laughs> I you know, I, 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 sometimes I look at her and I'm like, well, damn, when she's going to be my age, she's <laughs> you know, super mega star or something. I don't know. Like it's, it's incredible, right? When, when they're in that age and you see how much drive and you're like, was that like that? <laughs> I like stuff, but I, even the stuff that they care about, like the politics and, and the environment, yeah. and all these things, like I, I remember talking about a bit or being interested a little bit like you know I wasn't a super boring kid but I certainly was nowhere near to how much kids and even their friends are so into the environmental impact and, and climate change and all these ideas that you know like yeah people talked about them and stuff but I don't remember caring about it that much as a kid but these kids like really care about it yeah I think they're way more aware to everything than we were like I think I'm the last generation that the parents still had control over what type of information you have oh. and what type of things you know until you get older and, and you have access to more resources. It's like after me, we had phones. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, when I was, I think the first iPhone came out when I was 17. Oh. So, you know, by then, it wasn't very, you had a, a computer at home and stuff, but it wasn't like the most uh, interesting thing in the world. To, mm -hmm. um, but more interesting to hang out in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I remember. Yeah, exactly. And now it's like they have all the information and they know the world is uh, the shit. <laughs> anyway, yep. going back to our creative journey, um, I wonder... How much of, of what people talk to you about, you're invited to all those spaces and you're always so active. What was your favorite moment of like sort of a, a hum uh, in one of those, you know, spaces you were invited to? You know, it's, it's funny. It's, it's weird. It just happened yesterday. And um, I think that it's because I've, I keep kind of sharing the same thing over and over and so the message is getting clearer and I, maybe also I feel more confident with just saying my experiences where before I would like kind of second guess. And, and often when I'm hosting spaces, I share a little bit, but mostly it's there to, to, to get the people that are um, listening and, and then come up to speak so they could share their story. So I just kind of, it's more of a moderation, a moderating role. So yesterday I jumped into a space. I had about 20 minutes before a scheduled space. So I jumped in. And there was a bunch of people, like maybe 40 or 50. And uh, I hadn't been in one of these spaces for a while from this other host named Kev. And it was about what is your why? And, and I noticed that one of the people speaking was, I, I've never seen her account before, but it said she's an Enneagram coach. And I super love the Enneagram. So I wanted to hear what she had to say. Um, so I got in and she was just finishing up talking. So I didn't hear too much, but I was just hanging out. And then 
he, he passed me the mic and asked me to speak. So I was like, oh, I have a bit of time. I guess I'll try. So I take the mic and they're going through a few people. Finally it gets to me and it's 1053, but my space is at 11. <laughs> so he hands me and says, okay, Samantha, I'll teach you to share like, what is your why? So I said, I said, oh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so sorry, Kev. I'm going to have to jump really soon. He's like, yeah, I know. That's why I wanted you to speak because I know you have your space at 11. So he said, what's your why? And so I shared a bit about how I quit my job and that it was really hard. I had this, you know, great government job. Like I was sharing with you earlier, I had a pension and it was really hard to give up. But um, my why for doing that was, yeah, I was burnt out and I was unhappy and my dream had changed. But the biggest thing that, that pushed me towards that was that I was thinking if my kids came to me and said, mom, I've had this job and, and I'm really not happy, but it's a great job, but I really want to try to do something else. Of course, I would tell them, quit your job. You have one life to live. Like, enjoy now and, and try to build something. If that's what you want, take risks and do it. Like, if you want to move to Europe and, and backpack for the rest of your life or live in a shack and raise chickens, like, whatever it is that you want to do, go do that thing. Like, don't stop. Like, don't say you have to have a mortgage or you have to be responsible or whatever the thing is you think that you have to do, do what you want to do. Um, anyway, so as I was sharing this and my husband said after, he said, you were yelling, like, are you okay? And I was like, I was just so excited, I guess. It's <laughs> very passionate. And hopefully my mic wasn't cutting out. But these people in the space were like saying, sending 100s and, and fist emojis of, of, to support me. And I was so surprised. And then a few people wanted to share before I left. And now the, the clock's ticking down and I have to jump out. But they're like, yeah, this is so inspiring. Thank you so much. And another person said, wow, this is exactly what I needed to hear. And, and here I was just saying, well, I quit my job. And I did it because, you know, I, I want to be a good mom and be a good example. And I just, I, I'm, I'm starting to see that sharing your story, no matter what it is, even if you think like, oh, it's not so significant. I just quit a government job. Like, okay, who cares? Like, yeah, it's, it's weird. Most people don't quit government jobs, but some do and unusual. But you really can be inspiring for other people when you don't even know it. And, and I didn't know. And then I had some people follow me on Twitter. And so I was DMing my new followers. And a lot of them said they just, they liked what I had to say in the space. And it really inspired them. And they just want to learn more and, and be inspired on Twitter to, to follow their dreams. That's only just because I just, I shared. But also... I got to that point seven months later after me trying different things, kind of hosting spaces, practicing speaking, practicing sharing my story, learning how to more concisely say it and put it together and, and what to share in tweets and, and things like that. Like all this kind of practice leading up to it that if you would have asked me at the beginning, I probably wouldn't have sounded as passionate. I wouldn't have sounded as confident and, and mm -hmm. put together and articulate, but because I've been doing these practices that when the time came that I was sharing somewhere, I had an impact because it's kind of like playing an instrument. Like, yeah, you could the first day, but if you've been practicing for seven months and now your music is a little bit improved, you're going to play way better or doing a dance or whatever the thing is. And I think online creators, we don't give ourselves time to improve or to be a better writer or to write better tweets or, or host better audio spaces or whatever it is, but we still need the practice that we expect from actors from dancers and from musicians or any of those creative arts and online creating need that time as well it needs you to practice it needs you to, to keep refining your message so when I started playing piano I, I learned classical and then as I went along I learned oh I really like things in minor keys because it really speaks to me and so I would often pick songs like that because because it lit me up and made me excited and then when I played with bands I figured out the type of music that I, I enjoyed playing but I didn't know that on day one, even then about music, which type of music I would like, but I had to go through it all and learn and, and just adjust and pivot. And to the point where now I know what kind of music I like, how I can play well and just sit down and just jump in with a band and what my sound is. That's like another part is that how I play piano is not like everyone else. There's other people like me that we kind of play the same, but I have my style that I'm comfortable with and that I enjoy. And it's the same thing as being a creator online is that we have these different things. It's like finding your voice, but on, at, on online creating, we don't give ourselves the time to do that. We think that we have to be perfect right out of the gate. 
Yeah, and we look at other creators and we were like, oh, they have like their signature move and, and stuff, so I have to have it. And obviously they had it from day one and they figured it all out and it's like, nope, because a very long time <laughs> or we haven't figured it out yet, you know, I, I don't know a lot of creators who have, you know, their thing. Like if you hear that, you're like, oh, I know who's talking right now or oh, I know whose video this is right now because they have like this really signature move, um, which is an amazing thing to have. But yeah, like you said, it takes it takes a while. It's hard and you have to experiment and you have to try it and, you know, figure it out and, and or not figure it out. That's an option too. Mm -hmm. You know, like I've been, I've been creating for over a year. So a little bit longer than you. And I haven't figured it out. I don't have my signature move or thousands of followers because I'm taking the time and, and I'm trying different things. And like I was creating more artistic space and now I'm baking and now I'm doing that podcast. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> but it sort of came to me and, and it felt right. So and yeah. encouragement. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean. You have to just try, but also know that you don't have to. Mm -hmm. Oh, I completely agree. And I think also, like, I love how you just shared your story of like, you know, the little things you've done and add, you know, just you've just added on a podcast recently. You didn't have to start out knowing the whole journey and here's where you're going to get like, just follow what inspires you right now. And mm -hmm. it's, it's great to have accountability. It's great to have goals and, and to try, try stuff, like give yourself a chance and then say, well, eh, it's not for me, or I liked it, but I don't like it anymore. Like just like we were talking about earlier and then doing these little changes and following what feels right for ourselves. Like, I think maybe because of, you know, we're kids and we go to school and you have to do what the teacher says and you have to like hand in your assignments and then you have to go to a job and you have to show up at this time. And this is the time for your lunch, this is time for your break. We always have a parent, like your whole life, your, your teachers are your parents and your parents are your parents. Then your boss is your parent. And even your boss has, has bosses. Like nobody's really at the top because even huge CEOs have shareholders they have to answer to. And so we're never so autonomous that we make decisions for ourselves. And then being a creator, we get to make decisions for ourselves. And it's so weird and uncomfortable that we could say, yeah. you know what? I need a break today or, oh, I need a nap. And I like to nap every day. And so I'm going to have a nap because it makes me feel better and rejuvenated. And I'm a better mom or a better wife or a better person because of it. You know, I and I totally started. Uh, I'm going to have after. So there you go. <laughs> Amazing. I had a 30 minute nap. I was like, you know, oh, I love that. With my head here on the couch next to my dog. But yeah, like I, I completely agree. Honestly, it's, it's. The other day I talked about it with Ron with my wife and we talked about how people love the um, having choices and you know free will and all of that but actually as animals we need someone to lead us we need people to tell us what to do because if we have too many choices and no one is actually leading us we're lost and that leads to frustration mm. uh, and you know like when you want to eat out and there are like 10 restaurants on your block and you're like, I don't know. And you <laughs> feel better if you only had one choice. You know, if it's that's what you get and that's it. And being a creator means that you have to do it. You have to have all those choices and you have to decide. But mm -hmm. to decide doesn't mean that you can't adjust, right? Like you can't say, oh, I want a burger, but I also want pizza and also Italian. And today I'm going to have this, but tomorrow I'm going to try something else. And, and it's good. It's healthy, but it is hard to get there. And it is hard to accept that that's where you are. And I think that's, that's such an amazing part of the journey to like, like you said, to be able to be your own parent in a way yeah, and let yourself just get lost sometimes too. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful thing. Let me ask you before we finish. Not professional. What is your biggest dream or fantasy in life today? It's, it's pretty basic. My, my biggest dream is just, I want to buy a nice house. That's what I really want. I want to have a nice house. 
I want to have a hot tub. I want to have a really nice kitchen because I love to cook for. And I want to have a big, beautiful island. And I want it to be white-ish and kind of maybe a marble countertop. And I know it's not like I want to reach millions of people and encourage people to reach their dreams. Like, yeah, I want that and whatever. But like, what I want my kitchen. I want a really nice stove. I want to have a peaceful bedroom. I want there to be a lot of sunlight, you know, things like that. Nice. I love it. I love it. I always, um, I, I said about the, in the, in the other session I recorded, but Ronnie always gives me a hard time for not asking people what's their job. What, what, oh. I, this entire conversation you talked about in your previous job, I don't know what it was. And honestly, I couldn't care less because for me, Samantha is who you are in, in passion, who you are in, in creation. So, you know, government job, whatever you did before, it doesn't, it doesn't define you. Mm. I never ask. And I have friends that they're friends with me for 10 years and I don't know what they do for a living. I honestly don't know. I don't know where they went to university, what they studied, what they do for a living. Because for me, I would much rather knowing what your biggest dream is, oh. your passion. What's your dream? What's your big dream right now? Um, my biggest dream right now is actually really simple. I want to be happy. And I say that because I've been, I've been struggling with depression my whole life and anxiety and I've been treating myself, but not in the right way. Mm. Um, and only six months ago, I started uh, realizing that and working on that and taking medication for the first time in my life. Um, so it's, it's like a, a real <laughs> goal. I always had like these goals of like being a filmmaker, being a psychologist, being a vet, being like <laughs> all of those things. And, and I set up those things to be my goals. And today, honestly, a little bit thanks to COVID, I had the time to, to really stop and understand that all I really want is just to be happy, you know, or most of the time be happy at least mm -hmm. and it's a practice but, but yeah that's that's my dream oh i love that I also think... the kitchen yeah also the kitchen i need an awesome kitchen well i'll send you pictures of my mom's house they built um heard my stepfather built their dream for us for like 10 years oh my mom's a pastry chef oh wow yeah and it's so, an artist but i don't know what kind yeah, no, she used to work in art. It was like a funny story with my mom and dad because they're divorced since I was four, but they're great. They're really good friends. Um, and my mom used to work in art gallery and she was an art teacher. My dad used to be a chef. And mm -hmm. my dad quit restaurants and became an artist. And my mom quit art and became a pastry chef. <laughs> That's so funny. It's like, it was like a thing. I guess wow. of, I think, five to 10 years, they, they just like, switched um but yeah like there my mom's house like ended up in the papers and stuff because it's so gorgeous oh. when the, the island thing you're gonna die like honestly it's so beautiful yeah it's like i remember especially when i had my full-time job i would cook a lot especially on sunday and i prepare meals for the week and i remember my mom saying you know she's a she's a very good cook i'm like i like take it like everything has to taste like perfection like it's, I don't, i'm very fussy i'm a foodie um, is, you know, and I love wine and like, if I'm going to make something, it has to taste like I, I just, I got at the best restaurant. Like, you know, I have to use fresh herbs and butter and all the things. So butter. lots of butter. The best. Makes everything. You know, the reason why my cookies are good that other moms couldn't get is because I use butter. It's not that hard people. I follow a recipe and I use butter. That's it. Love it. Yes. The more, the better. Honestly, mm -hmm. that's a, that's a very decent baking advice right here and cooking advice right here. Use butter. Mm -hmm. Got lots of it. More than you think. Yes. <laughs> if it looks like a lot, put some more. <laughs> and so she said that, she's like, you know, I think cooking is your therapy. <laughs> God, it is. Cooking and I'd spend hours preparing things and cutting it up. And, you know, it was a little bit draining because most of my Sunday was spent cooking and preparing, but it was my way to unwind from, you know, the stress of the job and the week and little kids and, 
it was just so nice to just cut things up and get things ready. And then I would know that during the week, my, my meals were mostly done and my lunches were ready. But yeah, it was so relaxing. For me, baking became my happy place in the past year or so. And, you know, every time I, I go, it's me and the dough and, and my hands. And I know the, the energy. It's, it's incredible. I think that you know, it's such a great outlet and, and just get swept away. And you don't think about anything else because everything smells so good <laughs> and fun. <laughs> I feel like we can go on for another hour. Like, I don't want to stop on um, it. I don't want to take over a day. Where are you based, by the way? I live in London, Ontario right now. I lived in Ottawa, and then we moved to London a year ago. Well, how is it there? It's nice. It's like half a million people about, and it's, uh, well, it's cheaper than Toronto. Um, but I have yes. so many nice things. Like, growing up, I never heard that great of things of London. It was like, ugh, London, it's small. It's just a university town. But it has like everything that you need. And there's a ton of restaurants. Like I'm really surprised at the amount of restaurants, you know, for the amount of people. And there's a lot of nature trails in the city, like random nature trails. You can go in there like in the woods. And uh, of the random port. You just walk yeah. on the street and bam, random trail. It's really weird. <laughs> but it's beautiful. You just go on the trail. You're in the woods and there's these big ponds and, and nature. Um, there's these beautiful bike paths. They're, they're beautiful and paved. And there's a lot of really nice neighborhoods. Like there's not really anything lacking. Like the things that I would want in a city, like I, I've read some people, um, you know, didn't want to move this to the city because there's not huge museums or, or big culture scene and, and things like that. And, and some people said, you know, it's fine when you really want to see it a huge concert or, or go to a big museum. You could just go to Toronto, which is only two hours away. Um, but there's a lot of festivals in the summer and, and things like that. And also because it's smaller, like there's not that much traffic. Like Ottawa is getting bigger and bigger. A lot of people really like it, but also like I find anyways, that people in Ottawa aren't, aren't really all that friendly. Like they'll talk to you. They're not mean, but they don't just talk. And so around here, I could be at a grocery store and have like a five or 10 minute conversation with someone who was talking to me as if they knew me for 10 years. And they're like, hey, nice to meet you. Bye. Like, it's, it's really weird and different than what I'm used to. For me, it was such a shock moving to Canada from Israel. Mm-hmm. For the first six months, I was, I was literally terrified because everyone was smiling at me. And when you're a woman in Israel, when people are smiling at you, they want something. <laughs> and I was like, really afraid. Yeah. because people were talking to me and smiling at me and you know it was like oh my god like people are attacking me and nobody's <laughs> actually attacking me but it feels like <laughs> wow i never forget one time a friend came to visit me and we were walking down the street and these two guys came on to us um and you know just like hitting on us whatever and we were like so defensive because in Israel it's a little bit more aggressive and they're like no thank you like I'm married to a woman and the guys were like oh oh my apologies I'm so sorry for taking your time I'm so sorry enjoy your evening and we were like looking at each other like what's that hell just happened (laughs) (laughs) what (laughs) what was that like people apologize It, it was insane um we have our winters here that we have to deal with but in general most of the stuff's pretty good well, we all have winters, right? In Ottawa, it'll be like minus 20 for like weeks. And like the snow doesn't really go away once you get the snow. So it was a huge I'm difference living like, here last year. I actually like it. I like the winter and I like the snow and I like Christmas. So anyway, let me finish with one thing that I'm trying, that you heard me say before our in spaces. And I'm trying to make it into a habit in my life and hopefully helping people make it a into a habit in their life and just take a moment and tell you Samantha how much I appreciate you. You are an incredible person, super talented writer. You inspire me every day. Um, and you should also take a moment every day and thank yourself for surviving this life because I think we all take it for granted and we shouldn't. It's not that easy to survive this life. And the fact that we're here is incredible. 
And I'm very grateful to have you here today. And I hope that whoever is listening takes a moment to to think themselves and to hear me out when I say how much I value. Um, so thank you for being here with me today. Well, thank you so much. Those are such nice words. Thank you so much, Bar. I'm always here when you have a bad day to tell you that you're a rock star. <laughs> if you're a rock star mama, which is even bigger. <laughs> and two girls, tons of respect. Yeah. No, I mean, it's sometimes it gets, it gets hard and it's okay. 